We're going to continue our, ser- our series this morning called Evidence of Grace. We're, uh, we're just kind of taking a look around and looking for the fingerprints of God, like in different places that sometimes we miss. And, and this morning we're going we're gonna to look at a passage that starts off kind of difficult, ends up kind of great, okay? And in the midst, I think we'll all find ourselves if we bother to look close enough. And if I had a title this morning, um, it would be this. It's evidence of grace that it's okay to not be okay. Is that fair enough? It's okay if you feel like your life is kind of undone. It's okay. Grace covers that. Um, And uh, we're going to talk about the already, but the not yet, and kind of living in the middle of this kind of paradox of the kingdom already being here, but yet we don't don't have it totally yet. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to jump in at verse 18. Romans 8, 18. Baby Cole was at the first service. You missed it. He was real swaddled up. You really couldn't see him anyway, though. But but he was here, and uh, he said it was the best sermon he's ever heard. So, just so you know. Romans 8, 18 through 28, and this is what the Word says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await adoption as sons, the redemption of of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Let's pray together. Father, um, I just pray for some hearts in the room that, that... might just need a reminder that it's okay. That it's okay to to not feel like you're okay. Um, It's okay to struggle. It's okay to not pretend like you have it all together. God, I think this is a a word for those kind of people. If there's people that came in the room today and and they're saying, no, I got this. It's all, all my ducks in a row. I'm all good. Then... And God, I pray that those people would pray for some other people in the room. 
that they could have that same kind of peace. I feel like you, your word gives us that kind of peace, that kind of security, and I pray that you would, you would open our eyes to it this morning. I really don't have much to say, so I pray that the things that I do say would matter. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Rome, <clears throat> and uh, the theme here of sufferings, the sufferings of this present time, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. That's kind of a theme that you see kind of throughout Paul's writings. He, he wrote something really similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, when he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he said this, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Really similar to what he says in Romans when he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. I don't know what your suffering is today, but I know that you have them. And the suffering of this present time hurts because it's this present time, right? I mean, some of us have really old wounds, okay, and, and some things that are really hard to get over. But the sufferings of today are what I want to talk to you about today. Where do you find yourself today? What are you suffering with today that you think, I, I, I just don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can get through this. I'm not sure I can get over that. I can't keep all these balls in the air. I can't keep the plates from falling and crashing to the ground. Paul has a word for you today. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us one day. That's hope for you today. None of you are excluded from that hope. Um, Brock talked last week about um, Paul suffering a lot, and the thorn of his flesh that he prayed for God to take away, and, and God didn't take it away. Paul was an undone person. He wasn't a perfect person, but he held on to the hope, the only hope that's real, and that's what he's talking about right here. See, I feel like I live in a perpetual state of undoneness, okay? Um, for example, October 13th, 2020. The day that will forever live in infamy in my house. When I thought it would be a great idea when Angie left town for a couple days on a business trip to take a sledgehammer to our walls and start knocking things down. October 13th, 2020. What's today? March something. Uh, yeah. Like almost six months later. Ever since that day, it's like home hasn't been a sanctuary for me. I've, I've talked about this before. It actually got me depressed. Like I went into depression probably the first time in my life thinking I'm never going to be able to fix this. Um, we finally got a couch yesterday. No, that's a big deal, okay? We have a place for someone else to sit in the room besides me. See, I had a chair, but no one else had a chair undoneness. So many things have been done in that room that have just sapped the life out of me. I had to take all the, all the walls down, shove all the electrical stuff up into the attic, hoping that someone would be able to find it again one day. Take out like three different floors, subfloors, 
so much has been done. It's beautiful right now. But you know what? We still don't have cabinets for the island. And regardless of everything else that's been done in that room, I go and I stare at those stupid cabinets. Well, the one that we have. It's a hole in the floor, basically. The undoneness of that steals joy that you should be celebrating all that's... I mean, I haven't killed myself or anyone else. It's amazing. The plumbing all works in my house now. There are so many things to celebrate, but there's not an island. And you know what? Once there's an island, then we need countertops. Undoneness robs robs me of perspective. Is anybody else like that? In your life today, is there anything that you'd be willing to say, this is undone, it's, it's keeping me from doing the things I need to do, thinking about the things I need to think about, loving people the way I, I need to love them. See, spiritually speaking, we all live in this perpetual state of undoneness. It's like already, but not yet. See, Jesus came to usher in his kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. But yet, it won't be completed till he comes back. So we live in the in-between time, okay? And so we have all these promises that we've been promised, but we haven't experienced a lot of them yet, right? But we're strangers and aliens in a, in a country that's not our own. This is not our home, right? I mean, and you can get really confused about the already, but not yet, if you allow yourself to be. I mean, for example, Romans 8.15 says we're already adopted in Christ. But then Romans 8.23 says we're still waiting for our adoption. Um, Ephesians 1.7 says we're already redeemed in Christ, but then Ephesians 4.30 says we're not quite redeemed yet. Um, we're already sanctified according to 1 Corinthians 1, but you're not yet sanctified in 1 Thessalonians. We're already saved in Ephesians 2, but not yet saved in Romans 5.9. Is anybody else confused by this stuff? I mean, it's the already, but the not yet. Both are true. Hebrews 10, 14 says this. Talking about Jesus. For by a single offering, he, Jesus, has perfected for all time, past tense, those who are being made holy or being sanctified. So he's perfected us, but yet we're still being made holy. We're still undone. And it's okay. It's okay to admit that we're undone. I want to look at this passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 8. And I, I'm serious. All I have is five sentences, basically, that I want to pull out of this passage. Truths that I think, if we let them in, can change the way we see ourselves, the way we love our families, the way we serve the church, the way we forgive. In this one passage. Okay, are we ready? Five things. First one is this. Not yet is okay because of the already. The not yet, the undone, is okay because of what he's already done. You see, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The war is over. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. The war is over, but the battles still rage on, and the battles present themselves as this present suffering. But Paul says that suffering, no matter what it is, no matter how brightly it's beeping on your radar screen of your life and you can't focus on anything else, it's not worth comparing. It's not even worth it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because of what he's already done. What's he done for you? Somebody tell me. What's Jesus already done for you? 
He died for you. What else has he done for you? Come on. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? And the list goes on and on. He redeems you. If you're in Christ, on your worst day, He saw you. And He set His affection on you. Made you an heir to a kingdom. Done. Completed. What He's done for you already is enough. See, this life, no matter how long we live it, whether we have two days or 200 years, is a vapor. Right? This present suffering will pass. And then there'll be tomorrow's suffering. But none of it is worth comparing to the glory of what He's already done for you and what He's coming to do for you. Because He's coming to take us home. To usher us into this kingdom fully. See, we can be okay with the undone because of what He's already done. We should be okay with the not yet because of the already. Those things should be true. See, yesterday's blessings are the ammunition that you use to fight against the challenges of today. The blessings, things he did for you yesterday. Let us not be like this, like, like that little kid at Christmas time. And you get the big stack of presents. We're the worst at this at my house, by the way. Okay? We're the worst. We, I mean, stupid amount of presents. And you can't open one fast enough to get to the next one just because we got to do it in one day, right? You know? And, and so, open a present, put it aside, next present. Forgetting about the one before. Anybody else ever witnessed anything like this? Guys, spiritually speaking, do we do that with God? Do we just receive blessings, put them in our pocket, and then wait for the next one? Forget about what He's already done, and then when trouble hits, when suffering comes, we don't go back and think about that. Guys, remembering. We started this whole series talking about gratitude, right? This is kind of a gratitude sermon, but, but it's, it's bigger than that. It's realizing, remembering what He's already done and living in that lets you defiantly face anything you, you're, that the enemy throws at you. Standing defiantly, uh, Brock talks about this sometimes. I've heard him mention it a couple times. He'd been here for uh, maybe a couple weeks. And when... when when our church called Brock, we didn't have money to pay Brock. I mean, it was a totally a leap of faith. He's been here like a week, and KUB cuts off the lights at the office. This, um, what else happened that day? The lights get cut off. Like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot in the plate that week. We had a gift card that somebody had given us, so we just... Locked the door and we all went to lunch. (laughs) Defiantly celebrating. Because we knew. I didn't know how it would turn out, but I knew God had always been faithful. And so, He always will be. Remembering yesterday's blessings is your ammunition to fight today's battles. Okay? Never, ever forget that. That's the first one. Okay? Number two. You ready for number two? 
Number two, you are not alone. You might feel like you're the only person suffering like this. We all suffer. Look at verses 19 through 23. Even creation itself is over it. Creation is groaning like it's given birth, waiting for Jesus to come back and make all things new. Okay? Creation is over the coronavirus, okay? Creation is over sin. Creation is over corruption. But look at like verse 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves. Even though we have the first fruits of the Spirit, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God in us, we still groan. See, we, we all groan a little differently. I met with, uh, Brock and I met with Spotty. Spotty's one of the best groaners. I mean, I mean, he growls like a bear, okay? I said something he didn't like, and all he got was, Rrr. you know, we all groan differently, right? But we all groan. Why? Because there is a God-sized part of us that only he can fill, and we go around trying to fill it with everything else. It's called the sin problem that we all share. And so, like Urban Cowboy, Johnny Lee, we all go looking for love in all the wrong places. We try to satisfy ourselves with something that only God can satisfy. And so we groan. All of us do. We share this. It's not just you. You're not alone. You're not the only person who's undone. We all are undone. See, we groan inwardly because it's the human condition. And until Jesus comes back and makes all things right, we will continue to groan, longing for what we were created for. Does that make sense? You're not alone. But don't, don't hear me wrong. We all groan but that's not an excuse for complaining. Who knows my pet peeve? What's that? What would that be? Complaint. A lot of times, just because we groan, the next logical step is complaining about what we're groaning about. Guys, that's not our only option. Remember I told you your ammunition is gratitude, remembering how faithful God's been. Use that to defiantly stand in the face of whatever your present suffering is. Because it's not worth even comparing to the goodness and faithfulness of God. Number three, you ready for it? Verses 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. So if you can see it, that's not hope, right? You hope in things you, you can't see, okay? All through the epistles, Paul says, set your, your eyes on things above, not, not temporal things. We hope and we wait patiently for it. How good are you at that? Anybody good at patience? I'm, I'll wait. Anybody? Patience? Patience is not, no, that, that's, and have, you, have any of you prayed for patience? Stop. God will give you opportunities for it. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to wait for hope to be fulfilled in His time. But sometimes, because we're undone, 
because we're groaning, because we think we can't wait, we try to take matters into our own hands. But I have good news for you. There's, a, there's another spiritual truth right in the next two verses, verses 26 and 27, because this is the truth. And this, this is the best, I mean, this is great news. When all else fails and your patience is gone and you feel like you can't anymore and you give up on God, He never gives up on you. Look at this in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, helps us in our weakness. We don't even know how to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning. Remember? All creation groans like they're in childbirth and we groan inwardly. Guess who else groans? The Holy Spirit of God groans with groanings too deep for words for you and intercedes for you. When you give up, He doesn't. When you can't, He can. When you don't know what to pray, He's praying for you. And He's not just praying some random prayers like, oh, God, please help them have a good day. No, He's praying the will of God over your life. Praise according to the will of God. Guys, that is beautiful. These present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory. To the glory of God. What He's already done. You're not alone. We all share in this condition. Be patient. Wait for it. Hope is right. Freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. And when you give up on Him, He's not giving up on you. One more truth. Number five. This is, this is the bumper sticker verse. For we all know. For we know that for those who love God, He's working these things together for our good. Never forget it. This is not a sermon for the people that have it all together. It's for those of you who feel like maybe you're just hanging by a thread. Maybe you've, maybe you've given up on yourself. And you just need to hear that He's not going to give up on you. That when you feel faithless, He's still faithful. Evidence of grace. That overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. The one that will climb any mountain, knock down any wall to find you. You're not alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He meant it. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would uh, encourage some people's hearts today. Um, some people who maybe are going through some suffering and they don't even have words for it. God, thank you, Holy Spirit, for those groanings too deep for words. Thank you for interceding for us with the Father. Thank you for leading us into the will of God. Thank you for not letting us settle for our own will. God, give us the perspective of Paul that says these light and momentary afflictions these present sufferings, yeah, they hurt now. 
but you're bigger than that. Help us to just take steps of faith in spite of circumstances, in spite of pain, in spite of brokenness and undoneness. I pray that some people might just be okay with not being okay. They might just humble themselves before you, that you might lift them up, that they might bring their broken pieces to you and watch you make beauty out of the ashes yet again. You've always been faithful to us. You always will be. It's a gift to live in your grace. May we extend it to one another. In Jesus' name.